The job of the blender is to combine these elements in such a way as to produce an overall flavour. A wider repertoire of different beverages than ever before. So I think one of the most interesting breweries and certainly one of the most interesting origin stories for a brewery in Australia. Single malts, blends, grain whiskies, bourbons and more. If you want mezcal to be sold around the world, then unfortunately you're going to have to make a compromise. This is the Drinks Adventures podcast. I'm James Atkinson. And this is the show where I speak to some of the world's most exciting producers of beer, wine and spirits and uncover trends and issues in the drinks industry today. Few Scotch whiskies are distilled and matured by the sea, like Old Pulteney single malt Scotch whisky. Old Pulteney is located in the town of Wick in far north Scotland, a drive of just 20 minutes or so from John O'Groats, the northeastern tip of Great Britain. Its spirit matures in warehouses, located just a few hundred metres from the North Sea. And according to our guest this episode, global brand ambassador Lucas Dinoviak, there is no mistaking the distinct salty note in the old Pulteney whiskies that is a direct result of this coastal aspect. It's the reason why old Pulteney is known not just as a maritime malt, but the maritime malt. And it has some pretty unique distilling equipment and production techniques that also contribute to its house style. Lucas will tell you some more about those in just a moment. But suffice to say, the old Pulteney approach has been extremely successful. Led by its flagship 12-year-old expression, the old Pulteney range has won many accolades over the years. In fact, one of its limited edition whiskies was named World's Best Single Malt at the prestigious World Whiskies Awards just a few years ago in 2016. This is a special episode of the Drinks Adventures podcast, produced with the support of old Pulteney. And I asked Lucas first up to describe for us in just a little more detail the Northern Highlands area where Old Pulteney is based. If you imagine that North Sea basin, so surrounded by the Scandinavian countries in, in, in the north, and then uh, sort of, you know, Denmark uh, in, and, and Germany in the west, and then you have the sort of the, the low countries in the south and the coast of Britain in, in, in the west of it. Uh, Wick is really part of that very extreme sort of northern community. It was historically inhabited by Vikings, very heavily uh, settled by Vikings. It was, in fact, part of the Norwegian crown until 1266. It was part of the Norse kingdoms. And so it is very far north. It's one of the northernmost points on Scottish mainland, three degrees further north than Moscow. I'm just trying to give your listeners as much sort of context <laughs> as I can. Um, it's closer to Bergen in Norway than it is to London. It's also right on the coast. It's a coastal community. It's a fishing community. It's been a fishing community since the 7th century AD. Um, the first thousand years of its existence, you know, perfectly quiet, um, uh, you know, almost sort of um, insignificant little fishing hamlet uh, on on the Caithness coast, uh, but then it exploded into prominence in late 18th century, and it is now a significant town, um, uh, and people are aware of it. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still very, very far north, and I think most people who live in Scotland will never make it that far north. <laughs> and it was up until fairly recently the northernmost distillery on the mainland, I believe. I don't think we're particularly precious about it. I, I think there are <laughs> there is a distillery uh, which is not far from from where we are in Thurso, 
um, uh, good friends at Wolfburn, and they uh, they are further north on the mainland. Uh, but then, if you go uh, into the the you know, Scottish Isles, uh, there is a number of distilleries there which are further north. So our friends at Highland Park and Scapa, obviously on the Orkney Isles, uh, and then you have uh, some newer distilleries on some of these sort of outer isles uh, as well. So yes, until recently, it was the northernmost distillery on Scottish mainland. It hasn't moved; it's still <laughs> right where it was. <laughs> Now, Paltony is part of the Highlands region of distilleries. How useful do you think it is um, to talk about the Highlands region as a grouping of distilleries? The great Dave Broom, who was possibly the the greatest living um, whiskey author, in my view, um, wrote uh, and released several years ago the great great atlas of of whiskey. And, And I think it looks like a like a coffee table book, but I would really encourage you know everyone who's who's even remotely interested in in the drink to um uh, to find it in your local bookstore because it's just a, a wealth of a fountain of storytelling and and knowledge. Uh, and I think one of the things that that maybe Dave sort of concludes, I wouldn't want to put words in his mouth, but maybe he arrives at that conclusion uh, that calling everything which is not Speyside or Lowlands. Uh, essentially highlands is maybe a little bit <laughs> redundant uh, but we yeah. we tend to talk about the northern highlands so um you know northern highlanders will tend to refer to themselves as highlanders and and we we often hear you know um colleagues at other distilleries in northern highlands for example at Balblair, which is our sort of sister distillery within the group they will say you know we're the oldest distillery in the highlands and what they mean by that is that it's the oldest distillery in the northern highlands and today it still has that sense of of independent spirit, of sort of self-reliance, uh, and it's very much felt, um, you know, in, in the people, uh, their resilience, their warmth, their hospitality, which is second to none, but then also in, in the liquid. Old Pulteney calls itself the maritime malt, um, and there's, there's quite a few Scotch distilleries that do talk about the maritime influence in their whiskies. What do you think sets Old Pulteney apart from the others? To me, that link at Pulteney is incredibly profound. Um, the sea really informs everything that distillery does, and it informs all the liquid as well. There is there is no 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 doubt in my mind. Uh, you know, wake me up in the middle of the night to give me a glass of it, and I know exactly where it came from because it has that briny seaside signature to it. And if you can't smell it straight away, it becomes very obvious on a palate or, or on a finish in particular. That will tend to be the last note that lingers. Um, and, you know, we we know um, Pulteney um, spirit matured inland because we mature some of it inland for blending purposes, right? Um, so we know what happens to it when it matures inland and what happens when it matures on the coast. And it is that signature sort of seaside coastal DNA you know, fingerprint note at the back of it that really identifies it to me as Opultney. And and I know, uh, you know, malts uh, which come from coastal distilleries, uh, most of which don't actually mature on the coast, but 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 those that do, uh, you know, spirit matured on the coast always has an interesting and always has a unique quality. But there is just something about the combination of the spirit and the location that gives it that really sort of unique signature. You kind of mentioned, you know, the role that Pulteney plays in blends. I don't know whether that, that's supplying um, other companies. Does it play a role within your own group? Are there blends that Pulteney supplies whiskey to? 
Yes, I, I think potentially the one that will be most recognizable globally is called Hanky Bannister. It's a fabulous, fabulous blend. Um, the quality of it is really unrivaled. It's second to none. I would encourage even single malt drinkers, even sort of, you know, pretty high end uh, people, collectors, everybody to, you know, if you see Hanky Bannister on shelf, Give it a go. I think you'll be you'll be surprised. I think for a lot of people, it becomes that sort of house blend uh, because of just the sheer um, um, value that it delivers in terms of quality. Because you have malts like Poultney, you have malts like uh, you know like Balblair, like Speyburn, like Balmenac, uh, like Nogdu. Uh, they go into that blend in significant proportion. So actually, the the malt component component for the blend is quite robust. It's very full of flavour. Um, and that obviously translates onto onto the finished uh, the finished blend. So yes, Pultney plays a role very much so in um, in blended whiskey, which is produced by by the group Hanky Bannister, being the flagship product. What can you tell me about the, the raw materials that you use at um, at, at Pultney? Our malted barley at Pultney Distillery is all Scottish. It's all local, so it comes from you know within sort of. Um, um, you know, a reasonable radius of the distillery. We actually have it malted and supplied to us by uh, Baird's Maltings in Inverness. Uh, so it's not not too far. Um, all distilleries in Scotland, traditional distilleries, used to malt their own barley. There is a, um, you know, there are old malting floors still at the distillery, uh, converted at some point into uh, into warehousing into into a bonded warehouse um uh, but uh, sort of since sort of mid 20th century most distilleries in Scotland started switching to buying malted barley from these suppliers does peated malt play a role in the pultony spirit not at all. Uh, like all the distilleries in Scotland, they used to malt. Uh, Pultney used to be a heavily peated malt. Um, certainly before the closure uh, of of nineteen thirty, uh, all of Pultney would have been would have been heavily peated. That was just the nature of um, uh, of the product. Uh, but since uh, since the decommissioning of the malting floors, um, the malted barley which is brought in is is virtually unpeated. So the spec is, I think, below one. Part per million phenol in malt, which means there's virtually no no peatiness, uh, or 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 uh, certainly the phenol content in the finished product is below taste threshold and by some distance. Um, so old Pultney is an unpeated single malt whiskey. So so all the robustness and all the charisma and all that all that character it really comes from the, the viscosity and the character of the spirit itself. Uh, it has that sort of savory. Um, slightly meaty, but also very sweet, caramelized, very citrusy quality when it runs up the still. And then we will let the casks and we will let the coast uh, take over and just, just do do the magic. So there's no there's no peating and, and we don't currently produce uh, peated malt uh, at all. There is, of course, an exception, and that's our Old Pulpney Huddard, which is a no-aid statement expression uh, that we have out at 46%. Uh, ABV, and that is actually finished or further matured, as we would say, in casks that previously held heavily peated spirit. So it does have some phenol content, very low. I think it's something like 0.8 ppm, Um, but it's enough to be noticeable, to just have that thin veil of smoke on top of what you would typically expect from Old Pultney. But that's not made from peated malt. It's just that the peatiness is imparted by the cask. And what about the actual distilling equipment itself? What are sort of the most unique aspects of that? 
anybody who visits the distillery uh, takes away the image of the wash still, which Stuart Harvey, our master blender and the group, uh, described as the, the beating heart of Pulteney Distillery. It has this almighty boil bowl that sits at the base of the neck right above the main pot, uh, which increases the area of contact with copper. Um, it allows the steam to sort of uh, decompress into that space and come into contact with the outside wall of the still. So it just increases the ratio of copper contact to volume. And the line arm, which is slightly descending, is attached directly to the side of the neck. It's just the most unusual shape uh, you're likely to see. But that shape, that big boil ball, and the fact that there is that sort of essentially a trap at the top of the still, which will also increase reflux significantly, that contributes to the flavor of the spirit. Uh, both the stills work with warmed-up condensers. These are old-style, old old-school um condensers which comprise of you know a hundred or so meters of copper uh, tube copper coil that's that spirals into a tank of water it's a very old school way of condensing and condensers tend to leave the spirit a bit more meaty uh, a bit more viscous a bit more waxy and that's certainly the case with with old Pulteney. They're fairly rare in Scotland nowadays aren't they how many dist- other distilleries would there be that have that uh, equipment? There is a number of other distilleries, but uh, we, so International Beverage uh, Holdings, the operating arm is called Inverhouse Distiller. So that's probably how some of your listeners may know us. Uh, we we are we are sort of the, the queens and kings of uh, of warm tubs because out of five distilleries that we <laughs> own in Scotland, um, four have have uh, warm tubs still still intact. Wow. Um, so we we love uh, a, a warm tub, and um, it you know because of that that sort of charismatic, really viscous, really sort of waxy, beautiful, full flavored spirit that it produces. Our master blender is a great uh, great fan and great proponent, and it gives us a, a beautiful sort of um, um, asset in terms of swapping uh, and trading spirit with other companies. You know you can always get the sort of lighter. Um, more sort of modern Speyside style from other distillers, that's not a problem. But the heavier style is really at a premium. So if you look at uh, colleagues from bigger companies, from really major uh, blending houses like like Diageo, um, they very consciously have a number of distilleries in their portfolio which have warm tops. So if you look at something like uh, Dalwini, for example, or or Glenkinchy or Kleinleach, they have a, a number of distilleries that operate that operate warm tops, um, and that's that's specifically so that they can use that style of spirit within their blends and that's 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 exactly the same uh, exactly the same as the case for us uh, on the on a uh, obviously slightly slightly smaller scale what about from a maturation point of view what types of wood have have you uh, got in your barrel store there and, and and what are the sort of decisions that are being made to craft the different whiskies yeah, so um, um, in terms of what's being filled at the distillery, majority of it is American oak, ex-bourbon casks. And we take from a number of suppliers. I think it's no secret that in recent years we've been filling quite a lot of Buffalo Trace uh, American oak, but there is uh, there is just a wealth of, of great quality American oak uh, in the system that they will keep rotating because we fill those casks you know, twice and then three times. And then the casks are sent away for rejuvenation process, uh, you know, uh, to a cooperage in Scotland. And, and, you know, they're stripped of that sort of um, inner layer of wood and then they are re 
recharged, so a fresh layer of char is applied, and those casks are returned to the system. So, uh, you know, good quality American oak cask will serve us in those warehouses for uh, for 100 years or so. We also use a number of Spanish oak casks. These are beautiful Spanish oak first fill butts that we would use for uh, old Pultney single malts, um, and particularly the 15 and the 18-year-old, but also obviously hugely the 25-year-old. Uh, these rely on the Spanish oak casks for further maturation. So those casks are first, uh, the wood is air-dried for us for 18 months, uh, and then it's seasoned with Oloroso-style uh, wine for for another eighteen months. So so those casks are absolutely stunning. They, they you know they they want to give so much extract and so much flavor, but they constitute a much smaller proportion of what's what's maturing. Uh, Old Pultney is is uh, naturally very suited to American oak. Uh, it loves that that sort of gentle delicate vanilla uh, influence. It loves the spiciness. It just loves the, the sort of caramelized sweetness um, that comes off those casks over extended maturation periods. A lot of expertise and a lot of like um, just just collective knowledge from that distilling team goes into um, presenting that spirit in a very balanced way, just making sure um, that it conveys the character of the place and really displays how the environment shapes the spirit. It's not an easy thing to achieve um, because wood will have the tendency to overpower spirit. And I think that's where Old Pultney really wins. That's where Old Pultney is not just a maritime malt, it's the maritime malt because so much care is taken to ensure that every drop of that spirit that makes it into the bottle and is presented to the whiskey drinker speaks of its home. Now, I think the 12-year-old is 100% ex-bourbon casks, if you can correct me if I'm wrong here. So the Spanish casks, do they sort of come into play with some of the the older expressions? That's exactly right. So the 12-year-old is 100% air-dried American oak, is all refill casks. Some rejuvenated casks may come into play. It's a combination of different sort of uh, stages in the life cycle of American oak. With the 15 and the 18, that's where you really see the Spanish oak come into play. It's done by introducing further maturation. So the spirit initially goes uh, for 13 years or, or or 14 or 15 years, as the case may be, for the older product in American oak. And then it's re-racked into Spanish oak, which means the casks are emptied. The spirit is vatted together and then it's refilled into Spanish oak butts. And that's where you really have to watch them. That's where you really, uh, you are really sort of, uh, you know, fine-tuning your spirits to ensure you're giving it enough of that tannic, big, you know, burst of of, of dried fruit, burst of chocolate. You know, you, you're really elevating the spirit and turning it into this sort of luxurious drinking experience. But you're also watching it like a hawk to make sure that that maritime element, that that sense of place, that that DNA of the spirit is preserved. And just like in terms of occasions, no, are they produced with different consumption occasions in mind? Or from your point of view as an enthusiast and drinker, are there particular times that you find yourself reaching for a 12 or for a 15 or, or whatever it might be? Yeah, I, th- I think it's certainly at the back of everybody's head on, on the team uh, when we are working on these expressions, when we're putting them in front of the consumer, that naturally these will be enjoyed at different times, uh, different occasions. Uh, I think for me, you know, 12-year-old is the front of the cabinet uh, single malt, it is is the sort of house single malt, if you if you like. So so it should uh, be that expression 
that that really uh, pays dividends and really works in just about uh, any context, just about every occasion. We also um, like to see it used in a very high and very premium cocktail context. And we we've certainly enjoyed over the years some 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 amazing cocktails produced with Old Pultney. If you look up the range, if you look towards the fifteen and the eighteen, I think the fifteen is just incredibly balanced, um, and it's a whiskey drinker's whiskey. It is a whiskey enthusiast's single malt uh, because it's a picture of balance, right? It's just so incredibly elegant, and I would tend to have it from a sort of a tulip shaped glass on a stem uh, and it's more of a of a treat with maybe uh, that one good friend uh, or sort of a pre-dinner you know treat on a friday that sort of a context um, it takes a little bit of attention and it's just so joyous and such a happy such a charismatic dram and um, the 18 year old well because of the spanish oak influence it becomes much darker it becomes much richer um, and therefore it is naturally an after dinner uh, whiskey in my house uh, you may enjoy it at other times you may enjoy it in another context but for me back of the cabinet you know after dinner uh, maybe that special dinner or maybe even after midnight you know kitchen table uh, everybody has gone home uh, kind of a whiskey, so um, uh, so yeah, they 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 all have they all have their different sort of uh, times times of the day, their different uses. Except the twelve year old, which is just right any time. Well, Lucas, thanks so much for your time. Um, it's been a really fascinating exploration of Old Pulteney. It's been great talking to you, and you know, I would really encourage, obviously yourself, but your listeners as well, to to get in touch with me or with the brand via social media if you're so inclined. If you have any questions, uh, you know, if you want to just chat single malt whiskey and geek over it, uh, we're always here. We reply to all the messages, so yeah, just get in touch. Don't be strangers. And if you ever find yourself in our neck of the woods, if you're ever up, you know, in northern Scotland, please do stop by, say hello. Um, uh, we give a mean tour uh, of the distillery. The team over there are absolutely amazing. You get the opportunity to fill your own bottle straight from the cask. Uh, so it's a really worthwhile stop on your tour of Scotland. You can follow Old Pulteney on Instagram and Twitter at Old Pulteney Malt and on Facebook at Old Pulteney. The Old Pulteney range is available nationally in Australia through retailers including Dan Murphy's. The Drinks Adventures podcast is produced by me, James Atkinson, with additional production and mixing by Dave Robertson. You can find complete transcripts, links, and other information on the show at drinksadventures.com.au. You can follow me on all social media platforms at by James Atkinson. Like my Facebook page, James Atkinson Drinks Adventures, to be kept informed of podcast giveaways and other news about the show. The Drinks Adventures podcast needs your support as listeners. Please do us a favour and leave an honest review and rating for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. We love hearing your feedback and it helps inform other people this is a show worth listening to. Or simply drop us a line at hello at drinksadventures.com.au.